Well, good evening, friends, and welcome here. Uh, my name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge, and you have to pardon my voice. Like many of you, I came down with a head cold a few days ago. I'm pretty sure that my family gave it to me, but I love them still very much. Um, but speaking about family members, uh, how many of you have eclectic members of your family? Uh, some of you laughed out loud. That was an inside laugh. You needed to keep that inside of your head. <laughs> they don't have to be here with you. You're not saying that. By bringing them, you're not identifying them as the eclectic members of your family. Uh, I have an eclectic uncle and aunt. My uh, aunt is a film producer, and my uncle, uh, for a living for a while, he was a photographer. So he traveled the world, and he would, when I was growing up, he would take pictures um, and he was producing a coffee table books for different publications. And one publication that he produced was a book with photography of nothing but doors in it from all different corners of the world. And he was fascinated by doors and, and what was behind them and what stories they told and what, what secrets lay behind these doors. And he... Um, to him, the doors represented, especially in different parts of the world where he would travel, they represented hospitality and invitation. They represented, uh, if, they were, if they were open, a place that you could come and be with your family, a story of security or what the doors maybe were protecting behind them. And we, we've kind of picked this up, haven't we, in our own culture, and we speak about and use language uh, connected with doors, and we say things like, well, there was an open door, and so I went ahead with that project or participated in that. Um, we have metaphors connected with doors. We think in terms of doors being open or doors being closed, meaning that the way is barred and that there's no possibility for us to keep proceeding down that particular path, either in our life or in our actions. And I'm not sure if you've ever thought about it, but uh, doors play a significant part in the Christmas story, especially the first Christmas story. Part of the Christmas story is actually about doors that remained closed. You see, Joseph and Mary who was pregnant in her third trimester, had been forced by a government decree to leave their hometown of Nazareth, where they lived, and to travel with many other people at that time to the city of their birth. And so Joseph had to go to Bethlehem and had to take Mary with him so that he could be counted in this national census. But when they arrived in Bethlehem, there were closed doors for them. After they'd made this journey to this small hamlet, they don't know a soul, and the doors remain closed to them. No one will open up their home to Joseph and to Mary. And so Luke's gospel records it this way. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and she laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The doors were closed. One of the things that we sometimes miss in this story, as contemporary North Americans with access to hotel chains and Airbnbs wherever we go in the world, is what a shameful and indicting statement this would be upon the people of Bethlehem. Because 
Middle Eastern hospitality is a thing. If you go anywhere in the Middle East, the door is always open. There's an obligatory hospitality that extends to people in need, especially people in need. Strangers, like a pregnant woman who's about to give birth. Doors should have been opened. You do not say that you have no room or this isn't a good time for you or that your house or your life is really full. In Middle Eastern culture, that's shameful and unacceptable. You open your door and you welcome in those who are on the outside to come in. The door is always, always open. And during my teen years, we lived um, in suburban Toronto. And uh, we had made friends with some new Canadian neighbors of ours named Hassan and Wafa, and they had moved from Lebanon. And so about Christmas time, I was going around uh, delivering on my family's behalf just the, all of the gifts to the neighbors. And so you know how that goes. You take over a little gift to your neighbor, and then they forget that they don't have something for you, so they rush back into the back and try and get a box of chocolates or something, you know, and give it to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been meaning to give this to you. So it's all very polite Canadian exchanges at the doorway, right? So this is what I had in my head, is I would just go and take our little gift to Hassan and Wafa and their family, and then uh, just move on to the next house. Well, they would have none of this. In, in their culture, you don't just stay at the doorstep. They drag me inside, first for tea, and then after that, a meal was provided. And we sat and we ate together for hours and hours and hours. Because it's considered quite rude to just not have a stranger come to your home and not invite them in and show them hospitality. And so I didn't get any of my other Christmas deliveries done that day, but I enjoyed a wonderful afternoon of conversation and interaction with Hassan and Wafa. See, I just th didn't want to intrude into their space. But in their culture, in their understanding, there's no room for just a polite, at the door kind of conversation. You're gonna come in. The door is open, you are welcomed inside. And if you choose not to come in, or if your host refuses to open the door for you, well, that's a cultural faux pas, that's very rude. Right relationship in that moment with my friends Hassan and Wafa meant that I needed to put aside everything else that I had on my agenda for that afternoon and to enter into their home and into their space because for them, their door was always open and they invited us in very warmly into their lives. See friends, one of the things that in the Christmas story we're reminded of is that God had promised centuries beforehand that God was not content to have a world in which God was watching and waiting outside of the door of our world. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah is quoted in the book of Matthew, where the gospel writer says this, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. It's a powerful statement. 
It's a wonderful statement. And on that first Christmas night, so long ago, God did something so unique that it actually forever changed our world. God flung wide open the door between heaven and earth, and God stepped across the doorway threshold into our world. The very God who'd created time and space had taken on flesh and was now wanting to be known as Emmanuel, God with us. One of Jesus' friends and disciples, John, who spent a lot of time with Jesus when Jesus was walking this earth some 2,000 years ago, uses again the metaphor of the door to help us understand the significance that John sees in relating to God and Jesus. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, John pictures Jesus standing at a door, saying, look, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. See, opening the door, sharing a meal together as friends is the height of Middle Eastern hospitality. It signifies a warmth of relationship that bypasses any differences that might exist in culture or age or race or socioeconomics. See, unlike our culture, where you can share a turkey or a roast beef dinner with those that you mildly tolerate because you're related to them, in Middle Eastern culture, the door gets flung open a lot wider than that. You're considered friends and family when you share a meal together. A loving and voluntary connection is established based on mutual respect for each other. You're with one another. So just like part of the Christmas story is about closed doors, part of the Christmas story is also reminding us about open doors. And here I'm thinking about the door metaphorically in each of our lives. Jesus is standing there. And if you picture that in your mind, what is Jesus saying to you? Well, Christmas reminds us that one of the things that Jesus is always saying to you is, I love you. I care enough to call out to you. I want to know you, and I want to have you know me more. And maybe for you, that's a new idea. If you picture your life, you don't picture that it has any access for God in it. Maybe God has seemed like a distant, impersonal force for you, or a crazy uncle in the sky somewhere. But tonight, maybe something feels different for you. Maybe you heard a little bit about what Mark and Patty shared and about how in the midst of incredibly challenging circumstances of their life, they could know and experience a sense of hope because of their relationship with God. You can experience that too. You can know that God loves you. You can know that God wants to know you. God is inviting you to take that personal step across that threshold and to come in and to invite 
God in. And I want to make sure that you don't let that invitation pass you by because it's an important one. I love the way that Romans 5 uses, again, the image of a door to describe how God thinks and what a response to God might look like. Romans 5 verse 2 in the message translation says it this way. We throw open our doors, the doors of our lives to God. And when we do that, we discover in that same moment that God has already thrown open his door to us. And so we find ourselves standing in a unique place where we always hoped that we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and God's glory, standing tall and shouting out our praise. See, friends, this is the message of Christmas, that one unique and one holy night a long time ago in a little village on the other side of the world, a doorway opened. A door between heaven and earth was thrown open. And it wasn't open just a crack for a few minutes. It was kicked wide open and it remains open to this very night. God has thrown wide open the door for you. God is inviting you to throw open the door of your life to God because God's deepest desire is to be known as Emmanuel, God with us. God with you, God in you. Hope has come to live amongst us. Peace with others and with God is possible. Joy can be yours. Or to steal a line out of a Disney songbook, love, God's love for you is an open door. I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, we are grateful again this night for your gift, the gift of love, the gift of yourself. We thank you that when you threw open your life and the door of your heart to love us in this way, it didn't just stay open for a short period of time, but it remains open. And so God, today, in this place tonight, we choose to receive that. We choose to live into that more deeply. We choose, maybe some of us for the very first time, in faith to take that step and say, I want to know that love in a personal and real way. And so I open the door of my heart to you, God. And we thank you for your wondrous gift in the name of the Father who sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, who sends the Spirit to remind us and point us and guide us to truth. And we say, Amen.